0: Good evening. If you would please open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter six, that is where we'll begin. And this evening we'll be discussing what it means to walk with Jesus in today's world. I don't know if you've noticed, but it is no easy feat as a Christian, to be immersed in Christianity in every aspect of our lives. Uh, The music that is mainstream is not Christian music. The shows and movies that are popular are not Christian. The book series that are mainstream are not Christian. Uh, You can't practice Christianity in public schools around the country, and it's deeper now. It's gotten into companies that uh, make our clothes and that make our food. They're all just all out in the open now with being against what Christians stand for. In fact, being anti-Christian is the mainstream. You may see some of these pictures up here. If they, if uh, you don't recognize, them, ask your kids because they know. Uh, it's immersed itself in our culture, and sometimes it's sneaky. So, even the cars that we drive. Uh, good, good night. It's crazy. So, anyways. Every company that seems to be a part of uh, uh, the traditional American culture, right, is out there in the forefront, is in the open now, going against what it is that we believe. They have an agenda. And I want to ask you one simple question. How do we walk with Jesus in a world like this? Well, I'm going to give you three points today that I think can help us do that. How do we walk with Jesus in a world that seems to want nothing to do with Him? And we're just going to get right into it. It begins at home. If you want to walk with Jesus, you have to be taught how to walk with Jesus in this world. My very first lesson as a youth minister uh, a year and some change ago, I don't know if you guys remember it, but I brought up 9,000 cotton balls. And I set them all over here, and they represented the uh, just about 9,000 hours that we get in a year. You and I, we get the same amount of time in a year. And I said, if we bring our kids to worship every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday, we're going to get around 280-something hours with them. And I took two bags of cotton balls, and I set them over here, versus the 10 that were here. See, we in this culture have gotten into this idea that the salvation of our children rests on the church leaders. And that is wrong. That is completely wrong. The church leaders have been taking responsibility for these children that are falling away, but really, who gets the majority of their time with them? Is it the church leaders? It's not, it's mom and dad, it's guardians so when they fall away, it's very unfair to say something like, Oh, the church failed my child. In Deuteronomy 6, 4-9, through 9, God will say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your home and when you walk by the way. And when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now I understand this is, a, this is we're talking about the Mosaic Covenant. But if we truly believe in the God of the Bible, if we believe in a God that has not changed, do you think that He still would not want His Word or the Word of Jesus to be taught this way. See, I think I think we need to take this concept and apply it to the teachings of Jesus. So, when we wake up with our kids, what are we doing with them? When we're walking with them, what are we doing? When we have them in our home at night, what are we doing with them? It all begins at home. This camp session, we had 95 kids. 95 kids, and most of them, I would say maybe 10 or so were, that were there, did not come from a Christian family. They were, they were guests. They came with somebody else. And so let's just say 85 kids, and they were broken. They came from broken homes. Maybe their parents weren't broken. Maybe they were still together. But those kids all came from broken homes. And do you know what the one thing that I noticed in my time with them was that they yearned for somebody to sit down and help them understand the Scriptures. That is what they wanted. Now, I'm not saying that that, I'm not just getting on to, to Choctaw. I'm just saying in general, like, that is, that is what I noticed. We had four churches there total. Ours just happened to be one of them. That is what these kids wanted. They yearned for it. They asked us for it. And by the time we were done, after we had built these relationships, I had little, little girls coming up to me from South Walker giving me hugs. Can I go home with you? No. 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 Not, don't say that in front of your mom, you weirdo. But, but, the, but the idea is that they yearned. They yearned for some sort of uh, consistency in their life that they were not getting at, and are not getting at home. And I'd be failing as a youth and family minister if I didn't stand up here and say that, that we're failing our kids at home. We're expecting the church to do something that the church was not designed to do. The family unit was designed to do that. Phones. Do you want to know the one reason I believe that we reach so many kids? We had a no-phone session even if you did give me a fake phone, I'm just I'm just playing with you, bro. I love you, but the idea is that once we remove the world from the situation, their hearts were open to to the spiritual matters, and they didn't come back and go, "Man, I wish uh, I wish I had my phone in this moment." As they were experiencing God and understanding Him, they were going. The phones weren't even a forethought. They weren't even an afterthought. They weren't even there. And I think it's because what we do as parents, and, and is we give them access to the entire world, something that an adult brain can barely handle. And we give them access to this world, and we tell them that, be Christians. You have to be this spiritual leader. And then we give them, we give them this phone and say, what, go away or whatever however you want to use it. And uh, they have access to everything. Marty said it great one time from up here. He said, would you just let some random person come up and knock on your door, say, let me talk to your kids and invite them in? Well, that's what we do when we give them phones. That's exactly what we do when we give them phones. Your word is no longer the authority when they can go out and find it somewhere else. The way that we learn to walk with Jesus in today's world is that we have to teach how to walk in today's world. It starts at home. And you may not have kids, but these principles still apply to you. Ask Ali. I'm at fault. How many times do I ignore my own kids because I'm scrolling? I mean, it, I, I, fall, I fall trapped to it as well. I'm not just yelling at people. Let's not get that. But this idea that Solomon says in Proverbs, Train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Is very true. However, we can't give our kids the world at their fingertips and expect them to live in Christianity. We have to build that culture around them. And we have to consistently be that culture for them. We want to see change. What's the best way to create change in this world, according to Marty? Use it again. Raise a Christian family. You want to raise a Christian family? Give them Christian things. Have Christian standards. You want a family that walks with Jesus? Create a family that walks with Jesus. And you'll get one, for the most part. A faithful walk in the cruel world begins at home. The next way that we can walk with Jesus is that we have to understand that our walk is non-negotiable. When I started my first job, I was 15 and a half, and uh, it was at the Sonic down in Tri-City, Newcastle, and we had just, uh, they had just opened and they were looking for people, and my parents would not let me go into the interview process alone, which was embarrassing, right? But they did something that to this day I am so thankful that they did. They told them in the interview process that I will not be working Sundays or Wednesdays. That is a non negotiable. And if you schedule him, he won't be here. So just figure it out. It's not going to happen. We don't have that today, do we? In fact, work has become our new God, it seems. And not just with children, people coming in. We, we will miss worship in, for our holy God, which is the dollar for work. There's a lawyer that was talking to, uh, that, that asked Jesus in a trick question, what is the greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus answers in Matthew 26, he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Walking with Jesus is more than just some choice that we make, it is a life of moral standards that we have chosen. And by making that choice, we have chosen morality over everything else. So the question is then, how much do you love God? You know, if it's going to be non-negotiable, well, then you've got to put some sort of measure on it. How much do I really love God? Well, is it enough to make changes in our everyday lives? Do those get to become non-negotiables? I mean, here's an example for me. I don't necessarily see anything wrong with tattoos, all right? However, when I became a minister of the Word and and I started to understand that my money is a blessing from God, and not everybody sees it this way, lest I cause my brother to stumble or to wound his conscience. I stayed away from them. That's a decision that I made. I believe it was a moral one, right? Do we love God enough to cancel this, the subscriptions that we have that don't <laughs> don't uh, uh, push forward God's moral values? I mean, our kids... Even now at seven and or almost seven, our kids know to tell people we do not have Disney Plus. Why? Because I'm not going to give the Lord's money to a company that doesn't support the Lord's values. That's a non negotiable. But there's wiggle room for other people, and I get that. I'm not trying to say I'm holier than thou. But for me, that's a non negotiable. I mean, the Lord's chicken, right? Chick fil A? You heard what they did. They dropped Christian, uh, they they dropped Christian charities and they picked up non-Christian charities, right? And I'm supposed to support that? No, I don't support that. Nothing against the girls going to that. that. This was in my lesson before I knew they were going, so I just want you to know that. Is it enough to change what we listen to? Is it enough to change where we get our groceries from? Is it enough to change the brand of clothes that we wear or maybe the biggest one of all that I've noticed? Uh, Is it enough to say no to a ball game on Sunday morning? Or perhaps uh, to tell your workplace that, sorry, Wednesdays and Sundays, that God is my priority. That's where me and my family will be. Are those non-negotiables in your life? If they're not, you may ask yourself how much you truly love God. Luke 9, Jesus has an encounter with a man who wants to follow him. And basically, Jesus says, sure, no problem. But the man says, wait, let me go and say goodbye to my family and friends first. And this is what Jesus says. Luke 9, verse 62, Jesus will say, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. If you are hung up on the things of this world over God, Jesus says you're unfit for the kingdom. That's something I have to to hold on to, something I have to keep my bearings on, because Titus likes his shoes, right? Titus likes to fish, all right? (laughs) Titus likes his toys. Oh, I love my big gas toys. They're fun. But are they more important Than God? Are they a non negotiable? They have to be. People are going to find it weird that we stand firm in our convictions. Good. Good. They should look at us as different people. It's what we're called to be. They're going to find it strange and off putting, even. They may not want to be around you. But if we cannot stand on our conviction in Christ, then we have chosen our God already. Us. We've chosen us as our own God. We have to have non-negotiables in our life when it comes to our Christianity. We have to choose that when we walk with Christ, walking with Christ becomes a non-negotiable. That what we support in our everyday lives become non-negotiables. We must every day deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. This is what we're called to do. And as hard as it is, we have to do it. Our walk with Jesus is a non-negotiable if we claim we're walking with him. And finally, if we want to have if we want to walk faithfully with Jesus in today's world, we have to love Jesus. We have to love God. What does it mean to love Jesus? That was that is and always will be I think a difficult question. But I think of it this way. I love pizza. Pizza's delicious. I could eat pizza every day probably for the rest of my life. I'm sure Allie doesn't want me to, but I could. All right. But up until up until Allie said yes to me at Hayford Park, in 2011, up until I held my kids for the first time, my love for pizza was the real thing. Until that happened. Well, now I know what love is. Maybe I just really like pizza. Right? In Matthew 12:46, Jesus is teaching, and a man comes to him and tells him that his mother and brothers, this is Jesus, his mother and brothers are waiting outside to speak to him. And this is how Jesus responds. He replied to the man, "Who is my mother and who are my brothers?" And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, "Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and my mother." The Christian motto is, God first, family second. And then fishing. I I did that one for me. But you know one of the most major causes that I've seen in in my Christian walk for people to fall away from God? It's their families. The people who have the most pull in their lives. The people they trust the most. See, in reality... It's really family first and God second And that's why I believe That Jesus spoke specifically On this matter I know more people who have let their families Dictate their relationship with God Than those who have Stayed with God And it's a shame And in that they showed who they loved more It's a shame And I get it I really do Because I love my family. But can my mother, or my father, or my brother, or my two sisters, or my spouse, attain salvation for me? Who is going to lead me to God? How am I going to get into heaven? Jesus, and Jesus alone. Amen? Love for Jesus is to always put him first, even when your own flesh and blood come into play. When Allie and I first had Fawn, our oldest, uh, we had to draw a line of morality, specifically with my side of the family. And uh, that was difficult, in a way. I didn't have a super great relationship with my parents, so it didn't matter so much, but it was my sister we were super close together. In fact, she saved my life once. And to tell her that this is how we're going to live, and she did not accept that, I had to tell her, we did, as a unit, we had to tell her, I'm sorry, but this is how we're going to live. And it's not that we're, we're turning you away, but we're not going to have what you bring become the forefront of what we do here. So if you... You're still welcome here, but here are going to be the rules of which this house is going to run once you walk in those doors. And she hated me. Absolutely hated me. We didn't start talking until about just a year ago before she went to rehab. All right? She hated me because I picked Jesus over her. I got into ministry full-time in 2019. Uh, I had one of the many things that Mike has done for Choctaw, by the way. Thank you for that lesson this morning. But his hard work, he convinced me that I should do this. And when I did, uh, my phone stopped ringing. My text messages stopped being answered. I lost all my friends. And not because they hated me, but because now I was a bigot. I stood for bigotry and hatred. I lost. I feel like I lost everything, and then I, I and I thought it was the devil attacking me. Surely the devil is just attacking me because I want to live a good life. But then I realized that the pain that I was feeling was my sacrifice to God. If it didn't cost me something, was it really a sacrifice? It had to hurt a little for it to be real. And in reality, I come to find and look back on that with fondness because I was showing God how much I loved Him by letting go, go of those who did not do His will. And guess who became my family? Guess who babysits our kids? Guess who we hand them off to? Guess who we call when we're in trouble? Our family yeah, and God. Yes, ma'am. That's that Bible study at home we've been talking about. (laughs) To love Jesus is to make the will of God our number one top priority. It's to serve and love one another because that is God's will for us. And it's to follow Jesus' teachings because sending Jesus to us was the will of God. Not everybody listens to, to Christian music. But one of my uh, that was that I had to get out of anything that wasn't basically Christian because I like to act out what what I put in, right? And one of my favorite Christian hip hop groups describes their love like this: If in in one unfortunate moment you took everything that I own, everything you've given from heaven above, and everything that I've ever known, if you stripped away my ministry, my influence, my reputation my health, my happiness, my friends, my pride, and my expectation. If you cause for me to suffer or to suffer for the cause of the cross, if the cost of my allegiance is prison and all my freedoms are lost, if you take the breath from my lungs and make an end to my life, if you take the most precious part of me and take my kids and my wife, it would crush me, it would break me, it would suffocate and cause heartache, and I would taste the bitter, dark providence but you would still preserve my faith. What's concealed in the heart of having is revealed in the losing of things, and I can't even begin to imagine the sting that kind of pain brings. I would never blame you for evil, even if you caused me pain. I came into this world with nothing, and when I die, it will be the same. I will praise your name in the giving and taking away. If I have you, I can lose everything and still consider it gain. How much do you love God? How much do you love Jesus? How much are you willing to lose? How much are you willing to give up? Loving Christ isn't about just about what you'll give up or what you'll lose, though. It's, it really comes down to this one simple fact, that you realize He is all we need. He is all you need, and he's all I will ever need. And when we realize that, we will know how to love him properly. As David wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 23, verse 1. In conclusion, this evening we talked about what it looks like to walk with Jesus in today's world. Maybe perhaps in the different way than you may have thought coming in. But we established three key things that I believe we need for a faithful walk. And the first one is that our walk begins in the home, meaning that it is something that is taught and must be taught if we want a higher success rate of faithful Christians. It begins in the home. God created the family unit for a reason. We have to make sure that we are following that standard. Number two, that our walk is a non-negotiable, meaning that how we live in our everyday lives and what we support has to match our values and our convictions. It's a non-negotiable. It'll be weird and uncomfortable at first, trust me. It's weird and uncomfortable, I can tell you. But once you stay steadfast in it and you come together as a family unit in it, You'll be surprised at how content the Lord will make you. And finally, we must truly love Jesus, meaning that our actions in Christ are going to outweigh our words for Him all day. So perhaps you're new to your walk with Christ, or maybe you're old in your walk with Christ, but you're still struggling. I want you to know that that's okay. If you're not struggling, you're not trying. God gave us something amazing when he sent his son to us and that is whoever comes to God through Jesus has a support group that we call the church. And the church is a family. The church is made up of people who are going and have been through this world. And we are here for each other if you need help in your walk with Christ. That is the whole reason that that I believe that we have come together is to support each other. And if you are young and you're struggling, go to somebody with wrinkles and white hair. Okay? Because they are the proof that you can walk in today's world and be faithful. They're here for it. They can tell you. There's nothing that, they've, that, that, that you have done that somebody here probably has not done. I thought that. Boy, was I surprised. But I'm thankful because I don't have to be embarrassed about anything because my family doesn't judge me. They love me and they help me in the struggle. And that's what we are here for. The world is going to beat you down and build you up all with their own intentions in mind. And the world does not care if you succeed. It doesn't. But the church cares if you succeed. And the church will be there for you throughout your walk with Christ. Lean on it as God designed for us to do. We are walking this path together. So if you have any need, the time is now to either come forward or grab us some other time. Give us a call, a text message, call the office, however you need it. Just come as we stand and sing.